0: Hey SIA family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I wanna encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world giving is safe and simple you can go to our app or you can go to our website cfmiami.org give well god bless you and i hope you enjoy this message oh, keep it going hey you have to love christmas songs because today we have been reminded that the only joy we can truly experience in life is in christ and christ alone if you believe that all campus come on let's give a shout of praise to god Amen. Hey, it is so good to see you all today. Welcome. My name is Omar and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship and I want to welcome everyone online right now watching us. Uh, live, as well as our campuses from Doral uh, to Coral Gables to West Kendall, Redland, Homestead, and even here at Palmetto Bay. If you're a first-time guest family, can we encourage them right now? Yeah. And today, listen, it's a great time to be here at CF because we're starting a brand new series for Christmas called The Songs of Christmas. We're going to take a pause from the book of Genesis. We'll restart that in January. But in this series, we're going to be looking at four different songs, prophetic songs that are found in Luke chapter 1 and 2. And each of them have something important to sh- to tell us about the greatness of our God. Today, we're going to be looking at the song of Mary. Oh yeah, Mary. And so if you in your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 50, wherever you find yourself and you can follow along with me as I read, all right? Listen to what God's word says. It says, And Mary said, or, and Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my what? My Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And then listen to what she says. And his what? And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. That is God's word. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, as we enter the Christmas season... Uh, some of the things that get us into the Christmas spirit are things like Christmas trees, right? When we see Christmas trees, uh, like be, like they are behind me or at home, you know that gets us into the mood at home. At, at our home, we got ours a Tuesday before Thanksgiving, right? So we are early Christmas tree people. Uh, when we start seeing the Christmas lights, that gets us into the Christmas spirit. Uh, maybe when you go to Starbucks and you order that a uh, peppermint mocha, yeah, you start getting that some of that Christmas spirit. Or some of us like eggnog or some of us like coquito yeah no you know nothing in there right just uh no rum in there right yeah yeah. but 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 one of the things that really gets us into the Christmas spirit has to be Christmas songs right you know there's something about it that just really starts to serve things inside of us and the reason we all love to sing those songs is because first of all Each song, each Christmas song communicates a specific message to us, right? And second of all, because that message is communicated to us in a very creative way and in a way that really starts evoking a lot of emotions. And so when a composer desires to write down a Christmas song, there's a specific message, a very specific message that he or she wants to communicate to those who are listening, and so I thought, as we kick off this new Christmas series, I thought, man, we'll, let's have some fun. Can we have some fun to, this morning? Can we do that? Can we have some fun? Yeah. We do, normally don't do this as a CF, but I thought, you know what, let's, let's have some fun to start off this series. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play a song for you, and then you tell me, you, you know, as you listen, you process, what is it trying to communicate to us? Can we do that? Yeah. All right, so here's the first one, a song by Andy Williams. Take a listen. You can sing. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, yeah. So, so what is Andy Williams communicating, right? It's a what? It's a most wonderful time of the year. Everyone, we need to start getting cheered up. Be happy. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And then another song is sung by Bing Crosby, and uh, this song was actually originally written during a time where during Christmas time, there was a tremendous heat wave throughout the nation. And so listen to this song and tell me what it's trying to communicate. Take a listen. i dreaming of a war. Yeah, yeah. So, so so what is that song communicating, right? Man, he's dreaming of a white Christmas. You know, I think we've been dreaming of a white Christmas here in Miami for many years. It's turning into a nightmare by this juncture. It's never going to come, right? But there's another song that you may have heard, and it's sung by this girl named Mariah. Yeah, yeah, take a listen. I- Oh, Christmas Yeah, so so, so so what is Mariah communicating? Man, that girl is lonely. Yeah, yeah, that girl is lonely. All she wants for Christmas is that boy. And it's been many years, right? Since she's been wanting that one boy. But folks, I know we're having a little fun, but folks, do not miss this, right? Because each of these songs, each of these composers were commuting a very specific message through song form. And folks, let me just bring that over to our time together as we open up God's Word. Because if that's true with Christmas songs or any song for that matter, folks, imagine the songs found in God's holy Word. And by that, I mean that just like every single song, right, that we've listened to, right, has a specific message just like that. And here's the main idea for today. Listen, in these Christmas passages that we're going to look at today in this series, there are four different people who sing four different songs. And folks, listen, they in their songs reveal an amazing attribute of God. And folks, these attributes of God are meant to instill joy in your heart, peace in your heart, comfort and hope deep in our souls. And who knows, maybe right now you're here sitting, you're thinking, Omar, Man, I'm just listening. I know everyone's having fun, but the reality is that I don't feel any of that joy in my heart. I don't feel any of that peace in my heart. I don't feel any of that comfort in my heart. The truth of the matter is I've walked in here today. Man, I'm dealing with some stuff in my life. I'm dealing with an issue in my marriage. I'm dealing with this issue here. I'm struggling with a sin issue. I am car- I walked in here, and I'm still carrying shame of something in my past that I've done And really, at times, I just feel like I just have a facade over me because I'm just carrying things from the past. So, Omar, what are these, listen, what are these different attributes? Because, listen, listen, if you can can just take the time to absorb and, and, and to take in into the deepest part of your heart, of your soul, these truths of God, listen, they will bring you that joy and that comfort and that hope that you so long for. So what are these different attributes? And so, We're going to find out as we dive into this series. And folks, here's the first thing we're going to find out from Mary's song. And here it is. Write this down as point number one. The first thing we're going to learn is that our God is a merciful God. Amen? Amen. Now, with that in mind, listen to what Mary says in the middle of her song. She says this. She says, and his what? And his what at all campuses? Yeah, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, folks, pause right there, and let's go back to understand the context of this song. Because just right before this, Mary had been visited by the angel Gabriel and announced to her that in her womb she was carrying the, few, the Messiah, the promised Messiah of the world. And so right after, she goes to her older cousin's Elizabeth home, who also had never had child, but now miraculously, she was having a child as well. And when Mary entered into her home, the Bible says that the baby inside of her, John the Baptist, we're going to learn about that next week. He leaped for joy, and then Elizabeth said this. She said, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And folks, the moment that Mary heard her older cousin Elizabeth, the one who she's admired and looked up to for so many years say, what is this blessing that the mother of my Lord would come to visit me? Folks, at that moment, listen, she burst into a song, almost like a prophetic song, and it be- she begins to reveal things about God. In fact, it's called the Magnificate because it's meant to magnify and reveal who God is, and so listen to how her prophetic song starts. She begins by saying, "My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my what? Savior. My Savior." Now, folks, circle the word "Savior" right there in your Bible if you have haven't open, because it's interesting that Mary here—the first thing she declares is that she is in need of a what? Savior. savior right? In other words, she realizes that she's just like everyone else in need of being saved from her sin, and God is her Savior. Now, it's unfortunate that there are many who elevate Mary to an unhealthy level. There are some who say that she was sinless, which we don't find that in Scripture. Others would say that she is, at times through history, that she is co-redemptrix, meaning co-redeemer with Christ which is obviously not found in God's word. And folks, even though she's someone that we should model our lives, that we should look up to, that we should honor, the reality is that Mary here is saying, listen, at the end of the day, I am just like everyone else and I need a savior for my sins, amen? And so she sings and exclaims, my God, my savior. And then listen to what she says next. For he has looked on the humble state of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. So she is, for a moment, that she's in awe that the Lord was so, such an honor to her. But then she shifts and she begins to reveal who God is. And listen to what she says in verse 46. She says, and his what? And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And then at the end of her song, in verse 54, she says, and he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his what? Of his mercy. Now pause right there for a moment. Because she begins to magnify that we are in need of a Savior. And the way that God saves us is by showing mercy to us. Now, folks, circle the word mercy right there in your Bibles if you have them open or in your handouts. Because the word mercy in the original Greek is the word eleos. And many people, when they think of mercy, many people describe it as just one not getting what one deserves. And folks, there's aspects of that that is true. That's a very, very basic definition of mercy. But you see, the word here that Mary uses is a lot more profound than just someone not getting what they deserve. It's actually showing goodness. It's, it's a word filled with kindness, with tenderness, of the tenderness of God towards people who are miserable and deserving of affliction. You know, unfortunately, there's many of us who are prone to view the concept, the attribute of God's mercy as something minor about him, something that's just kind of incidental about God. Folks, when you look at God's word, it's actually at the core of who he is. In fact, travel with me back to the book of Exodus because the very first time in human history where God reveals to humanity his personal name, which is Yahweh, you may not know this, but the personal name of God is Yahweh, the Father, was not to Adam, he did not reveal that to Noah or to Abraham, but the very first person he reveals his personal name Yahweh was to Moses in Exodus chapter three. And then later on, Moses wants to know more about this God named Yahweh, this this powerful God. And so here's what God does. He puts him up in in a cliff, in the cleft of a a mountain. And then he says, Moses, I'm gonna pass in front of you. I'm gonna shield you from my glory because if not, you will be consumed by it. But as I pass, listen carefully, I am going to declare to you who I am at my core. And so listen to what happens in Exodus chapter 34. It says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God, what church? Merciful. A God merciful. A God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So folks, do not miss the very first thing that he says about who he is is that he is a merciful God. And listen, if you're here for the first time or maybe you started to come to CF just recently, And you've walked in here with certain sin struggles in your life. You've walked in here with certain things about your life that you're not proud of. you are walked in here thinking there are certain things about my past that I am so ashamed of. That if I have never told anybody in my life about these certain things in my life, but you're wondering, could God ever accept me? Could God ever love me? Could God ever draw me close? And you're coming thinking that he won't let me remind you this morning that he is a merciful, merciful, merciful God. Come on, can you encourage those people around you? Amen. Because it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where what you've done. Listen, our God, Mary's reminding you today, is a merciful God. Amen. And folks, what I love is that Mary then gives us insight as to who he is merciful. In fact, write this down as big number two at all campuses. God bestows mercy on those who fear him. Now let's go back to Mary's song and listen to what she says carefully. She says, and his mercy is for those who what? Who fear him from generation to generation. In other words, ever since the beginning of time, our God has a way of showing mercy to those. Who fear him now what does it mean to fear God you know there's a trend in in the church that whenever something is popular in culture or culture likes a specific attribute of God the church says yes 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 that's who God is come come listen come that's who God is but the moment that there are certain things about God the way that he's revealed himself, that maybe not as popular in culture today, it's easy for the church to become embarrassed about certain things. One of those things is the concept of the fear of God. And at times, there has been well-meaning people that'll say, well, the fear of God is not what you think it is. It's not what it sounds like. No, 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 no. It just means like, more like honor. It just means more like respect. Folks, when you look at the word that Mary said she, in, the, in the Greek, she says it's a Greek word phobos, which we get the word phobia from. And the word phobos there is actually meant to describe someone who is overwhelmed with terrifying fear. You see, the reality is what we see in Scripture is that when people get close to God, when people begin to encounter God for the first time, there is fear that overwhelms them. And here's why. I write this down. It's letter A. Is because in our sin, we fear God as a righteous judge. Amen. For example, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, when he saw God with his own eyes, he said this in Isaiah six. He says, he said, "Woe is me!" And he goes, "For I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts." And then later, John. When he's encountered God himself, it says that he threw himself on the floor overwhelmed with fear as though dead. See, folks, the reason that whenever we get close and see God for who he is, is because when sinful man views God in his holiness, in his righteousness, in his purity, in his power, in his sovereignty. Listen, when you encounter the holiness of God, there's something in you that you, still, you start realizing how truly sinful you really are. And then it dawns upon you that what you deserve and what I deserve for our sins is judgment for our sins. And so there's something that happens when you bear before God all of your sin, all of your shame, there's something that begins to overwhelm your heart with fear. Why? Because your wrongs are bare before a holy God. You know, to help you understand, you know, back in the day when I was back at UM in undergrad, uh, by the way, there's a little bit of a confession time for your pastor here, so bear with me. But, you know, I was in a class in undergrad, an undergrad, a business class, and we were supposed to turn in a research paper every week. Super tedious, a lot of work. So here's what I did. I got together with two of my buddies and said, listen, we're not going to do this every week. So one of us does all the hard work one week, do the research paper, writes it up, give it to the other two guys, and then we will rewrite it. We will rewrite it, and then we will turn it in. And that way, we only do the work once every three weeks. Make sense? So for many weeks, it was working fine. Things were good until one week, it was my turn. I did the research paper, all that good stuff. I gave it to one of my friends. He rewrote it. No big deal. But I gave it to my other friend. And the dumb guy wrote it verbatim. Yeah. And so he turned it in. Make a long story short. We got caught. And this is a big deal at UM, because you can for sure will be kicked out of the class. And you can even go before the honor council and get kicked out of the whole entire school. And so it was, a, it was not a, a small deal. And so the professor said, listen, Omar, I want, to, I want to see you in my office. And I remember that day that I was supposed to come before my professor. I was walking through the, through the, through the campus. And folks, the closer that I was getting to my professor, to his office, fear began to fill my heart. Why? Because I was going to go before him and all of my wrongs were going to be laid bare before him, right? That's why I'm thinking, you know, If I was beginning to feel fear standing before a human professor that could only determine the rest of my collegiate life, imagine when you and I stand before God, a holy, righteous God that will determine our eternal life. And you will stand before God and you will know that what you deserve is judgment for your sin. Folks, here's the thing. Even though the fear of God may not be a popular thing in culture today, right? Can I tell you, it's actually good for us. In fact, to the point that God's word says in his word, the fear of the Lord leads to what? Life. Leads to life. So, so Omar, how does the fear of the Lord lead to life? How does the fear of the Lord lead to God's mercy as Mary sings? How does that do that? Well, write this down Letter so B. Be. It's because the fear of God leads us to humbly find refuge in Christ. In fact, listen to what Mary says next. What Mary's saying is that when, those, when people come before the Lord and they are prideful in their hearts and they don't feel that they don't need God, that they don't need forgiveness of God, that all this stuff, listen, it says that God scatters the proud in their hearts. And for those who come hungry for his mercy, for those who come broken in need of God, acknowledging their need for a savior, the Bible says that God then has mercy on those and fills them. With good things. You know, going back to that story, I started realizing that what my professor wanted to see when I walked into his office before him was to see if I walked in there with a prideful heart, trying to make excuses for my wrong, or if I walked into his office with humility of heart, broken, acknowledging my wrong before him. And because I did that, listen, by the grace of God, he had mercy on me on that day. But you know it's sad because there's many people who begin to come before God. They start coming to church. They start trying to figure out the things of God. Maybe they're invited. But what happens is that so many people start getting closer to the Lord. But when they walk, when they get start getting closer to the Lord, they come before the Lord in pride. Like I don't need God. I'm just here because someone invited me. Oh, I'm just here because I don't really need, I don't really need the forgiveness of God. I don't really need this God thing in my life. Can I encourage you with something today? Listen, wherever you're watching, watching online or whatever our campus is, and if you're here and you're starting to come for the first time, my encouragement to you is this. The Lord is very clear. Listen, come before him humble in spirit. Come to him broken. Come to him acknowledging your need of God because he promises to bestow mercy on those who come humbly before him. Amen? And fear him. Folks, the reason that he can show mercy to us is very simple. It's because that little child in Mary's womb will one day grow up, and one day he would go on to live the perfect life of obedience. Listen, that you and I could never live. You can try as hard as you can, you'll never be perfect before God. But Jesus Christ lived the perfect life of obedience for you. And not only that, he went to the cross, and on that cross, He paid for the sins of the world. He paid for every single one of his sins, not his own sins. And he was nailed to a rugged cross to bear the guilt, the shame, and the judgment that was meant for you and for me. And because of it, because the judgment of God was satisfied, the cross, God now can bestow mercy on you and me. Can we praise God for that this morning? And here's what's amazing, when you come before God, when you come home and say, I need God, I I need the Lord. Listen, He not only forgives you of your sin, But here's what's amazing. He then draws you close. He adopts you as a son and daughter. And now, like we learned last week, listen, now you start walking with the Lord in a a heavenly father relationship. You walk with him, he walks with you, right? He talks to you, you talk to him, right? It's that relationship, not religion. But now that you've been forgiven, he brings you close. And now you start a beautiful relationship with a God who loves you. But folks, here's what you need to understand. The fear of God after you start walking with God. The fear of God is not gone. In fact, rather, it serves a different purpose. In fact, write this down as Sutter C. In Christ, now we fear God, but now as a good and loving father. You know, there's a misconception that Christians have no fear of God anymore. But folks, the reality is that it's quite the opposite. In fact, a defining mark of a person who've experienced the mercy of God is that they know and they still live in the fear of God. It's interesting that God's word tells us in Philippians chapter two, it says, my beloved, those who are mine, those who have bestowed my love on you as you have always obeyed. So now work out your salvation with what? Fear. And with what? And trembling. So, folks, it's not like the fear of God is gone once you go into a relationship. But, folks, listen: the fear now is not of a fear of a righteous judge that's going to punish you for your sin. No, 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 no. Listen, at the cross, Christ took the punishment for your sin. But now, the fear is that of more of a God, of of a loving Father. You know, we fear not pleasing the Lord; we fear not honoring the Lord. We fear not being led by his truth. We fear not living a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And can I be honest? There are some of us who the fear of God at some point of your life led you to find refuge in Christ, led you to find forgiveness of Christ and start a personal relationship with God now that you've been forgiven. But somewhere along the line, you are drifting into sin Because you are losing the fear of God. You see, when you don't honor God in your marriage, you're losing the fear of God. When you consider that adulterous relationship at work, listen, you are losing the fear of God. When you don't honor God in the way that you handle your wealth, your finances, when you don't give to God, listen, you are losing the fear of God. When you start living a lifestyle that you know is not honoring to God, you're losing the fear of God. When you don't want to forgive someone as Christ forgave you, you are losing the fear of God. And, and, and so we need to understand that when we are now in a close relationship with the Lord, Listen, when we start drifting away from him, right? When we start going back to our old ways, listen, God, because he is your good and loving father now, he is going to correct you. Amen? In fact, listen to what it says in the book of Hebrews. It says, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, For the Lord disciplines the ones whom he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. God is treating you as daughters. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Listen, if you have experienced the mercy of God, if you have entered into a relationship with God, and you are drifting away from him, and you are drifting into sin, listen, you need to expect the discipline of God, amen? And here's a purpose. Listen, listen to what God's words next. For the moment, all discipline seems painful, right? But rather rather than pleasant, but rather, but later, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. See, folks, When the Lord disciplines us, again, he doesn't discipline us as punishment for what we're doing. Listen, that punishment was already taking care of the cross. Now he's just disciplining you so that you can continue in righteousness and you can continue in his ways, which are ultimately good for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so, folks, do not miss this because, listen, the fear of God at some point led us to God, right? Led us to go to the mercy of God, to start a relationship with the Lord, to experience His forgiveness. And listen carefully, the fear of God now keeps us close to Christ, right? And so, listen, the fear of God is such an important part in our walk. It reveals to us the mercy of God, but it also keeps us close to our Heavenly Father. In fact, let me end with this. You know, just recently, uh, many of you know that I have a a, a little girl, her name is Camila, and uh, just recently, we always like to have fun at home, but recently I said, you know what, I'm going to take her on a daddy-daughter date. And so we went out, and first of all, we went to Old McDonald's. She loves to go into Old McDonald's, and she got her a little Happy Meal. She was very happy. Then we went to the ice cream shop with the nitrogen thing, with all the smoke. She loves that. She loved it. We were having a great time. And then afterwards, before we went home, she wanted to go to her favorite place. And it's that Disney World. It's Publix. Oh, yeah. She loves to go to Publix. She loves to walk around and see all the things going on. But it was already kind of late at night. It was one of those dark, stormy nights in the last several weeks. It was really dark and rainy. And as we got out of the car, I told, listen, Camila, make sure you stay close to Daddy. don't don't run off, there's cars here, don't run off, stay close to me, this is what's best for you. As you could imagine, with what? After a couple steps, she began to drift. Yeah, she began to drift and she began to run a little bit through the parking lot and it was dark and at that moment, a car started getting closer and closer and closer and gave her like, you know, a a little bit of of a honk and she got startled and she realized that she had drifted too far away from daddy and she ran back to me. And folks, then she held on to my arm. And for the rest of our walk into public, she was just holding on so tight the entire time. And family, isn't that a picture of what happens with us? Sometimes we may tend to drift, wait, just, just too far from God. There has to be moments, listen, that we, in our fear, we, we go back to the Lord and we hold on tight. And there's some of you today, maybe, that that's what you need in your life. You are drifting and you know it. Listen, it's time to run back to your father. It's time to hold on to his arm because you know that he loves you and what he wants is the absolute best for you. His commands are for your good, nor not to harm you. Is to give you a future and a hope. Amen? Some of us, yeah, we got to drift back to our Heavenly Father. For some of us here today, You walked in here, you're watching online right now. The reality is that you know you don't don't have a relationship with God. Maybe for far too long in your pride, you know, you saw God at a distance, but the reality is that the more that you've been here, the more you started coming, the more you listened to God's word, you know, you know what? I need to get right with God. I'm tired of living by my own. I'm trying to do things my own. I need God. So you're probably wondering, oh, how can I start a relationship with God? Maybe, you, maybe you've maybe you been away for so long. How, how, do I, how do I start a personal relationship with God? Well, it's very simple. The Bible says in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever would believe, not do rituals, not do religion, not do... Listen, for those who simply believe, put their trust, surrender to the Lord, they shall not perish in judgment, but have everlasting life. Listen, if you are here today and there's something in you that says, you know what, I, I need to get right with God. I'm tired. I'm tired of living this life by myself. It's very simple. There has to come a moment in your life that you say, you know what, I need God, and you put your trust and faith in Christ. And at that moment, listen, he forgives you of all of your sin. There's mercy, and now you start a relationship God, with God that will never end. The question is, will you put your trust in Christ today? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, today, O oh Lord, as we gather together as your people, God, we are just so grateful all because of your mercy your tender, your good, your loving mercy. And Father, for those of us who are already believers who strayed a little too far, Father, help us come back to the flock. Help us come back and hold on to your arm like you want us to, Lord. And with all heads bowed and all closed, I want to speak to those of us here today at all campuses and online who are watching right now, who are listening, and you know it's time to get right with God there's no more games listen it's it's time you know you know what I'm tired of living by myself I'm gonna I want to start my relationship with the Lord today so if that's you listen I'm gonna lead you through a prayer and this prayer is not a poem it's not something listen it's just simply me helping you talk to God for the first time and as you pray listen you don't pray this to me I'm only a man I cannot save you. you pray to the God who loves you and gave his son for you at the cross you pray to him. He is waiting for you, and he is one who bestows mercy and kindness. He loves you. So pray this with me today, if that's you. Father, Lord, I'm tired, oh Lord. I'm tired of living apart from you. Lord, I'm t- tired of being prideful before you. I need you, Lord. So I'll come before you, Lord, humble. And Father, I confess all of my sins, everything I've done in my life. Lord, I acknowledge that before you. And I ask you forgiveness of my sin. Today, oh Lord, I pray that you would save me. Lord, give me everlasting life. And Lord, make me your own. Lord, draw me close. Because Lord, for the rest of my life, I want to live with you. I want to follow you. I want to honor you. And i want to obey you lord so lord save me today for the rest of my life lord help me to live a life that honors you thank you lord it is in jesus name i pray and all of god's people say amen amen